0: Welcome to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast brought to you by Home Field Apparel. I am Reed at Pac-10 Reed. Joining me live, ambiguous Pac-12 fan, Avery at Brave Grapes. Good
1: morning. Whoa, my throat.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And
2: Utah Hoops Honk, Greg at Banana Morphs. Um, We're so back after that oregon state game uh we're so back i'm not gonna acknowledge anything that happened before that it's a good palindrome yeah you're about to be you're about to be back to where you bore, were before you were back
0: in about three hours when you face oregon so <laughs> luckily i can talk shit because we won't get to that game today we're recording at nine, <laughs> nine so we'll forget about that by next episode. Um, As you should know by now, football content has moved over to our Patreon at NoTruckStops.com. We have an episode up there on winners and losers from both the coaching carousel and transfer portal. And this week, we're doing our way too early Pac-12 power rankings for the 2024 season. So go check all that out for just five bucks. As always, subscribe to our YouTube channel, like the video, comment away with your thoughts in the YouTube chat. Uh, follow us and tweet us at pod on Twitter. Send in your questions, rants, and of course, podcast listeners, follow the show on Apple and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Today, we have a jam-packed episode, uh, much to break down and talk about. We'll discuss another epic entry in the UCLA-Arizona rivalry. We'll touch on your Pac-12 leading Ducks finally dropping a game in the special hell that is Boulder. And we'll debate uh, the top of the women's hoop standings after another week of ranked clashes there. Plus, on's and ends from the rest of the week's games. All right, uh, let's get into it. First up, we have the matchup we alluded to on Saturday. UCLA traveled to McHale Center in Arizona, in the first edition of the West Coast Best Hoops Rivalry in 2024, for the first 25 minutes, the Bruins shocked everyone, building a stunning 19-point lead behind a rare hot shooting half from UCLA, led by Sebastian Mack and Lazar Stefanovich. But after the break, UCLA would lose their hot hand, and according to Mick Cronin, lose the whistle from the refs. As Arizona chipped away at the deficit, finally with 4 minutes left, Arizona retook the lead on a Caleb Love and one and kept control the rest of the way to earn a 77 to 71 win. Let's start with the winners. Arizona fought back from that 19-point deficit to survive in this one. Avery, what do you attribute Zona's early struggles to and are you feeling better or worse about the Wildcats after this performance?
1: I didn't get to watch this one because I was unfortunately stuck in traffic on the way home from the airport, which is the worst thing ever because <laughs> I really would have loved to see people's reaction to this game. Um, I, man, I don't know. I do feel worse about Arizona after this game because I do not think very highly of UCLA, especially if you're playing them at home in the McHale Center, which is like one of the best home environments in college basketball, if not the best. Like, I don't know how you don't perform incredibly in front of that crowd. Like, it's hard to win every home game. Anyways, um, yeah, I don't feel great about them. I think that there's a lot of questions. I mean, it's been like that against for Arizona this entire season, right? <laughs> like, sorry, Reed's just playing with the stream yard in
0: it. <laughs> I have to find how to get this overlay back. Okay, I did it. I'm sorry. I
1: mean, there's Keep been a going. lot of moments that have just, like, reminded me that Arizona isn't some un beatable giant that can't lose games so i don't know like they won the game that's good but yeah playing close with ucla like this is is definitely not a good look right now especially when utah beat them by 50
0: yeah i i largely agree with that um i mean this ucla team is it is tough to gauge because we've talked about them in the past and said like their performances this season where they've looked like they're on put watch, you know? Um, and so given that it's tough, tough to hold them to that standard because this is a rivalry game. Like we talked about, like this is a game that I think as we previewed UCLA is always going to get up for this one. And when they're on, they do have the talent um, to, you know, look like, I don't know. We've seen them look like not a top 100 teams at times. Yeah, we, look it's very like confusing. Teams at times against Marquette earlier this season or something. They've pushed good teams before. Um, so I wasn't altogether shocked to see UCLA hang in this game. Um, and I think on the Arizona front, for me, it, it, it kind of went back to what I'm just starting to feel about this Arizona team in general, which is, Yeah, they, you know, they aren't a number one team in the country like they looked like two years ago. They they aren't just a juggernaut that I think is going to roll through the entire Pac-12 slate, but they do have some answers, actually, when things are going wrong. Uh, And they did find a way to chip away at this game and, and come back. And I think. Even a guy like Caleb Love, who went five for 16 in this game, was the one who ultimately broke through and found the and one to put them on top. And that guy to who kind of breaks up the bad moments when your offense doesn't, you know, no one wants to pl- take a shot. Everyone's tight. Caleb Love's always there to say. Ask
2: <laughs> me the ball. I will God, I have Kirk no- Risa was there for that last year, though. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: but he was. But he,
2: no, 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 no. <laughs> really no. Um,
0: Greg, what were your thoughts on UCLA? Or not uh, UCLA, Arizona,
2: sorry. Before I, I have like competing narratives in my head right now about how to think about Arizona after this game. Because on the one hand, part of me agrees uh, agrees with Avery. You shouldn't be getting in a close game with this UCLA team. If you're Arizona, you're way too good for them. They're bad, and you <laughs> are supposed to be going for the Final Four. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, but on the other hand, they showed a lot of resilience to come back from 19 down. You know, we've talked me and Carlos especially about thinking that Arizona under Tommy Lloyd has been soft, and uh, I thought this was a pretty good. I thought this was a pretty good showing for Arizona. Coming back from that deficit, like, that's some grit in a rivalry game. My only concern is I'm workshopping a theory that Arizona cares a lot more about these rivalry games than it does about their tournament games because (laughs) they look so much more interested when they're playing UCLA than they do when they're playing in March, you know? And so, like, maybe this doesn't mean they'll be more uh, prepared to take a punch in March. Maybe they just care too much against UCLA to quit. But uh, I think overall, I'm a little more encouraged by Arizona because they showed they can come back from a deficit like that.
1: Yeah, the the rivalry thing about Arizona, like playing harder against UCLA, normally that's fine. I think that's fine because UCLA is usually one of the best teams in the country. That's embarrassing this season. Though. Like that should not be the case when they're. What is their record? Eight and eleven. Like that's so sad.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I I hope that this experience will make Arizona tougher in the tournament because, like, this is the type of thing you know we didn't see against Princeton last year like Arizona got pinned down and they didn't really come back and find that um obviously it ended up losing Wait, i don't is know
1: that, is that true that there's a theory from Arizona twitter that Arizona played like shit early on because of football announcements were people saying that carlos said that in the youtube chat just really they really was that a that? thing <laughs>
3: That's I ridiculous. I wasn't involved but, in that discourse,
1: but that's that's very interesting. But I don't think they care that much. I really don't think they care.
0: I don't think it's that serious to them. I think that they're <laughs> worried about their own game. Um, but I did see that uh, I think Fafita and T Mac came out, I don't know whether it was at halftime or something, but it was when Arizona was down big. And obviously the comeback came on after that, so Whether it was the distraction of the players, or probably more likely just the energy in the arena and the halftime adjustments. Um, it did coincide, I guess. I don't know. In general, like, how do you feel about this Arizona team? Is this still the best team in the Pac 12 with a bullet? Like, Greg, we can start with you on that.
2: Yeah. (laughs) The conference sucks, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I guess, I guess. I think I see a path for Oregon contending for that. Yeah, but I still have to see it a little bit more with them. I think. Yeah. Uh, what Especially they've done so today. far, yeah. What they've done so far is impressive, but uh, I, I want to see them do it more consistently against good teams because they've still got the stink of the last two years on them. I think uh, the way they played so badly. This is a different team. This is a better team than those ones, but. I, I'm i still in wait-and-see mode. I still think Arizona is a really good team, uh, and I'd still be pretty surprised if they didn't end up winning the conference at the end of the year.
1: Yeah, if this game was against, like... I don't know Cal instead of UCLA a team that they don't have like this heated rivalry with then I would be like okay maybe actually Cal's pretty electric so that's not a bad <laughs> <laughs> uh Oregon State if it was Oregon State at home then I would be like oh maybe Oregon could be the best team in the conference but like the rivalry heat does play a role in this so yeah I I need to see more shit from Arizona before I start taking him down a notch
0: I think that's fair. There's not many contenders. Like, I would say Oregon, I mean, we'll get to the Colorado game, so I don't want to spoil that, but Colorado at home, maybe, but Colorado played
2: Arizona and (laughs) lost by 40 on the road (laughs) earlier, so it's kind of tough to say that right. Same Um, thing with Utah. They, like, home Utah is a contender. Road Utah is a sewer dweller of the conference. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I think we'll see when, I think... Arizona makes that road trip in early February. So when they do that, probably the toughest road trip in the conference. We'll, we'll see how they stand up. Then let's move over to the UCLA side of things, because for a moment, this team did look like they'd finally realized the potential that was often tough to see this season. Ultimately, they don't have a result to show for it. Greg, what'd you think of the Bruins?
2: I, 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 I feel conflicted cuz on the one hand obviously very impressive to build that 19 point lead against Arizona and it really did feel substantial that felt like it felt like we were watching a UCLA team that had like come out of the fire and was finally made in Mick Cronin's image like they made a team out of these freshmen that finally Mick Cronin felt like he could compete with and then they just they, they blew the lead and i get that there are the concerns about the refs i don't have very strong opinions on that but i don't know i was i was disappointed personally as someone who was really rooting for ucla in this game i was disappointed by their response when arizona started chipping away at the lead and that's yeah. that's my overall takeaway
0: yeah i agree with that my thing was, you know, I mean, it's easy to say like, yeah, they had some hot shooting in the first half that didn't keep up in the second, but I think really the thing that's betrayed them was their defense. Like yeah. they came, they came out of half and held the Arizona scoreless for four minutes. And then from there, just no resistance. It felt like Arizona was, you know, consistently scoring every time down they scored, 49 points in the final 15 minutes of this game so like the clip that they were scoring at it just felt like things kind of fell apart for ucla and that was weird you know i would have expected the lead to collapse based on ucla just going completely cold um and really it was the defensive effort um you know and i guess arizona figuring them out that kind of made the difference there what do you think avery
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, this is a really hard offense to keep up with for this long. Like, I would say the scoreless stretch was really impressive just in general because of who they were playing, because it was Arizona. And I don't think I don't know if I would, like, call it necessarily a collapse because, like, the fact that they had that stance against this offense was pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, it's frustrating. I don't know. I feel like I would love to arrive at the point where we're not talking about a team with a losing record this much anymore. But I guess that just goes to show that this is a blue blood team. So even when they're bad, we have to have them as our lead topic.
2: Of conversation.
0: <laughs> I mean, should we be burying UCLA? Should this be it? We're, we're not allowed to talk about UCLA anymore on the show. They're what? 8 and 11 now. Tournament hopes. I mean, is that even still the faintest possibility? They'd have
1: to win the yeah. Pac-12 tournament. They would
0: yeah. have to yeah. organize Yeah, there's no, there's no way that they get yeah. a bid without <laughs> winning the not. tournament. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, Carlos,
2: Carlos might argue that they have a chant a chance at the bubble but Carlos always thinks every Pac-12 team has a chance at the bubble. Well, they'd so. have to
1: win out. right? right. Well, well yeah, when you're trying yeah, to
0: fill a 64-team tournament and you only know 12 teams, it's probably easy to... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Brent a carry. Um, yeah, I saw a lot of people on Twitter, too, calling for a Dumbona to sit in this game. Um, And, you know, you look at the stat sheet, and, I mean, it's easy to point at the fact that he... Seemingly got pl- outplayed by Omar Balo. Um, He got out rebounded thirteen uh, to three. He had less points than Balo. What do you think of that? I mean, Bona is a guy who we looked at preseason as among the best players in this conference, um, and he's had a, an up and down campaign that I feel like, especially recently, uh, has been underwhelming. Greg, you can you can start there.
2: Well, I want to start by saying that. Well, yeah, we did talk about Adem Bona that way. We also talked about Umar Balo that way. You know, we talked True. about Umar Ballo as a contender for Conference Player of the Year. Um, I think he might have been the preseason favorite for it. Uh, he, he's, he's a really good player, I think, and we don't talk about him a lot uh, because I don't think he's been quite as good this year as we all wanted him to be, but that's still a tough matchup for... Uh, for Dembona because Umar Balo is bigger than him, and like you like you said right there, uh, Carlos, Bona's rebounding is a weakness, and it's tough when you're playing a guy like Balo, and your weakness is rebounding. Uh, you're always gonna get beat there. The fouls were brutal from Bona. You can't be fouling that much if you are you are the team's best player you are the guy that needs to be an anchor for them against a team like arizona and you fouled out that's that's pretty bad it's not like bonus performance but i felt like it is worth mentioning that he was doing it against umar balo who is a great player
0: yeah that that makes sense to me too um We'll see. There's some good big men in this league, so I guess we'll have some more data points on Bona. Um, Maybe we won't cover them as much because, as you said, we've probably exhausted our UCLA talking points at this point. Does anyone else have thoughts on UCLA that they need to get off their chest?
1: I bet Carlos does,
0: but he's hiding. He's screaming into the abyss somewhere. I
2: I do think that uh, we still don't really have... Conclusion for if Carlos is going to spend the rest of the year uh, mourning UCLA basketball or honking for UCLA basketball because he tweeted before the ASU game that that game was going to determine whether he was honking for UCLA basketball the rest of the year or calling for Mick Cronin to be tarmacked the ASU UCLA game. I don't know if you guys were able to watch that completely chaotic. And really we didn't learn anything. (laughs) And so I was unsure whether he was going to keep honking. And then we go into an Arizona game while they lost. They also had a 19 point lead. Carlos tweeted mid game that it looked like this UCLA team had finally grown up. They were passing so crisply. It was all looking so good. And then they blew it, and I still have no idea if Carlos is thinking Mick Cronin should be tarmacked or if Carlos is thinking UCLA is going to be good for the rest of the year. Uh, that That's the most interesting narrative surrounding UCLA right now.
0: Yeah, I think he tweeted after the fact, Carlos did, that UCLA is officially a nightmare. This is a team that has lost <laughs> nine of their last 13 games, by my count. Um, and that's the issue here. I mean, it's easy to say if you're just tuning in oh but how can you talk about ucla this way you know given that they were so close to holding on and if they just won a road trip to arizona to both arizona's that would look really good the issue is we've seen them for the past month and a half like lose and lose and lose uh and at this point it's just it's just tiring like if they turn it around great but ultimately you're not going to get another shot uh, at Arizona until late in the season, you know, and and missing out on one of those statement chances. Like it's, it's hard to make up that resume win that would have been this Arizona victory. So
1: I don't think Carlos is going to abandon UCLA because their next game is against USC, who he also hates a lot. (laughs) Two eight and 11 teams clash. That'll be fun.
0: What do y'all think about the fact too that like laser Stefanovic and Sebastian mac i feel like from the the ucla discourse i've heard and absorbed like the twitter spaces i've had the displeasure of hopping in um <laughs> it seems like everyone fucking hates these dudes right <laughs> and, and somehow they were like you know they led both pace the team in scoring um no one else like a Bona had 10 and no one else had more than six points in this game.
1: Lazar oh, yeah. Stefanovic deserves to be hated. Exactly. This man should have never been a <laughs> starter on UCLA. Like, I don't know if, I mean, he probably would have started on Utah this year because Craig Smith loves him, but like every he, coach
2: loves him for some reason. I can't figure it out. I don't, I don't know out.
1: what it is, but like he was never going to be great to begin with. And I, I remember preseason when, UCLA fans were talking about this team. They were so excited about him, and Greg and I tried to warn them. Mm-hmm. They didn't listen. So I feel like their inflated, like viewing of like how they thought Lazar Stefanovic would play is what makes them hate him so much. Sebastian Mack. I think he's great. I mean, he's a freshman. He's still learning stuff. I don't think he deserves the hate that he's been getting. But I understand when, like, your team was expected to be a tournament team this year because they're UCLA and that's the expectation every year. And they put this product on the court. Like, you're looking for people to blame. So, like, I get it. I don't. Lazar
2: Stefanovic should should not be getting this much time, though. That's just. (laughs) I don't understand. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Avery, we have watched Lazar Stefanovic on our team and can perfectly regret, uh, not regret, relate to this exact sentiment that UCLA fans have. He is such a frustrating player because even when he's playing well, it feels like he's playing badly because he's taking the dumbest shots. And so, and his his jumper doesn't look very good. So it looks like it's going to miss every time. And so even when he has a good game, you're still having these negative feelings towards him because you (laughs) want him to be like a centerpiece of your team's offense. And what he is, is a chucker that occasionally gets lucky. And that's what happened in this game. And that's why UCLA fans hate him. And that's why Utah fans were not that sad to see him go.
0: All right. Um I think we've we've done well with the roast of Lazar Stefanovic. Uh, <laughs> let's take a quick ad break. When we come back, we'll talk about Oregon Colorado, a pair of women's hoop showdowns and more. Don't go anywhere.
3: Pac-12 Sickos, it is women's basketball season. If you have not been keeping up with the Pac-12 women's basketball, you haven't been listening to our episodes, Pac-12 Women's Hoops is on a damn heater. Uh, They have several top 10 teams. They look like they have four of the best teams in the country, maybe five of the top six or seven. Pac-12 Women's Basketball is on another level, and you should support your women's teams by going to home field and buying one of their shirts. Uh, One of my favorite shirts right now in the Home Field UCLA collection is this UCLA Women's Basketball shirt commemorating their 1978 National Championship. It is a gorgeous shirt. Uh, It's got this lovely cream color, this vintage 1970s logo and design. It's gorgeous. It's super soft. It's super comfortable. I really enjoy it. There's a lot of really great shirts out there commemorating women's basketball all across the Pac-12. You should go check that out. Uh, these shirts are comfortable. They're incredible. They're great to look at. I get comments on them all the time. People being like on the streets just saying, where'd you get that shirt? That's cool. Uh, especially if you live in a college town where people actually care about these things. I think you'd stand out. Go check that out at homefieldapparel.com. You can save if you're a first-time customer by entering the code stops 23 at checkout.
0: Welcome back. Our friend guac in the chat said, I was told this was a Carlos free episode. We're so sorry. We should have warned you before the ad. Re- uh, didn't want to get any jump scares out there from that one. But yes, we're back. We do have to talk about it, my beloved Oregon fans. Uh, for the first time, we're doing a lead segment on Oregon hoops this season. And of course, it coincides with the Ducks' trip to Boulder. In this top four matchup on Thursday night, the Buffs look like their usual selves at home, wearing down the Ducks and newly back in folly Dante, behind a breakout performance from freshman Cody Williams to lead the way. Oregon fought to stick around, but ultimately ran out of gas as Colorado cruised to an 86-70 victory and continuation of the Ducks curse in Boulder. Greg, we'll start with we- with you. Where do the Buffs sit in your Pac-12 picture after this week?
2: i'm just I'm really confused and I'm conflicted uh on on this topic because Colorado is atrocious on the road. uh it's really <laughs> shockingly bad how they like I can't fathom how bad them and Utah are on the road, uh, which makes it really hard to judge those teams. but at the same time, both of them have played very good hard schedules, uh I think, whereas Oregon really hasn't played a hard schedule at all it's why they haven't been a lead game for us you know like yeah uh, the closest thing to that i'm thinking is michigan and this isn't like a final four michigan team you know uh Mm -hmm. so it's tough that being said man when colorado's on they look really really good uh and this is an example of that uh just wearing down the ducks i thought that was a really good way of putting it reed uh just it's such a it's such a fun team. Cody Williams, Tristan DeSilva, KJ Simpson, KJ Simpson, Eddie Lampkin. I love all of those players. And I didn't even mention some other good ones. Uh, like Julian Hammond, who's another player I really like. Yeah. But at the same time, I can't get over how bad they are on the road. And I still kind of think Oregon's gonna finish with a better record at the end of the year, you know? It's weird to come out of a sixteen point game feeling that way, but Thus far, I don't have the concerns about Oregon on the road that I do with Colorado. And I think Oregon's still gonna be really good at home. Uh as Nfali Dante gets back into shape, I think they'll keep getting better too. Whereas I'm not sure how much to expect Colorado to get better. Maybe they, you know, they've got Cody Williams, a freshman, playing big minutes for them. Maybe he figures some stuff out, and that's where their improvement comes from. But I see a bigger avenue for improvement for. For Oregon so I think I don't know I think I'd have the buffs behind them for now even even with the win
0: yeah Avery what do you think
1: yeah I probably have um, I agree with Greg completely like Colorado and Utah are very similar in the way that I think they're good teams I think they're bubble teams but God when you're watching them on the road and it's so (laughs) frustrating because they're on the road at the same time every week (laughs) it's bad it makes you question everything like Colorado lost to Cal, Utah lost to Stanford. They were both just bad losses and it it has some like serious stink on their seasons. But Colorado has some really good players. Cody Williams is absolutely fantastic. Uh, Tristan Da Silva, KJ Simpson, they're they're great and they're a lot of fun to watch at home. Um, I, I've been really impressed. Are we just talking about Colorado right now?
2: Oh, oops. That's my bad. Over
1: to Oregon. I'm just going to talk about Oregon, too. I'm That's be, fine. Greg did it. that. Yeah. Um, I've been really impressed with Oregon's like, arc this season. Obviously, it started out super frustrating because of all the injuries. I didn't think they were going to get anywhere this season. I thought it was just going to be like, well, shoot, we were injured. We couldn't get anything done. So the fact that we're talking about them is probably the second best team in the Pac-12 albeit like a bad Pac-12 season, is really impressive. And Nefali Dante's just coming back from injury, like conditioning's going to play a big role there. And he's, he's a really good player. And I don't think this game like showed that. And so I'm excited to see like Greg, what Oregon does. And I think they do have like a higher ceiling than Colorado does, especially since they're just in general, more consistent, depending on if they're on the road or at home. And I don't like looking at the final score and saying, ah, this is a bad one from Oregon. Because for a majority of the game, they played really close. This could have gone Oregon's way. And at the end of the day, I think it just came down to like conditioning. Oregon's players are more fresh off of injuries than Colorado's are. It's on the road, like, altitude does sure. a big role in that. It's not fun to play in Boulder and Salt Lake City in the same weekend. So, yeah, I don't feel I don't feel bad about Oregon here. I th- I think they have like a ton of upside. And I'd probably keep them ahead of Colorado, which is so weird because we just watched Colorado beat them.
2: Beat them by 16, <laughs> but I love that we had the same conclusion.
0: Yeah, I you know, I I largely agree with that too. I think Oregon they just ran out of gas in this game. I mean, yeah. in Folly Dante especially, like it was so clear that his stamina was at 40 percent in this mm-hmm. like he was huffing and puffing up and down the court um, late in a game that he only played 19 minutes uh and he's a player who's right in there and the best players in this conference when he's fully healthy uh, and Nate Biddle is is close to back as well so I think that this Oregon team definitely has a lot of upside in that um and they have two major pieces of their identity that you know are are I mean in Folly Dante's on the court right now, but he's not himself yet. Uh, but I think what we did see, you know, as a gap between these teams is a guy like KJ Simpson. Like Oregon doesn't have that right now. In moments, Shellstad has stepped up and, and taken over games. In moments, uh, Cuzenard has done that as well. Like Rigsby's had breakout performances on down that, you know, they've had guys do it by committee, but. There's not a kind of, for lack of a better term, I guess, alpha like presence at the guard positions. Like, I I don't mean that in, you know, the gym bro type of way, but like (laughs) some dude who, like, you can trust to kind of take the reins and take over a game and lead you home. And it felt like in this one for Oregon, you know, it was honestly impressive how after a, a shaky start, And a nine point halftime deficit, they battled back and they were in this game at times in the second half. Um, but it felt like everyone was tired. Everyone was looking around and saying like, okay, who's, who's the guy who's going to take us home? You know? And there was no one there to, to step up and be like, that's me. I'm, I'm the person, I'm the leader of this team. I'm the guy with the balls in my ball in my hands. I'm willing to take these shots and create, um, Maybe Dante can be that when he comes back, like not as a guard, obviously, but kind of be a vocal point and Biddle can do that as well and take the reins off of some of these, you know, I guess more inexperienced guards uh, in Shellstad's case or just players who just aren't at that all Pac-12 level uh, in Cousinard's case. So I don't know. That was my takeaway from Oregon's perspective. Um, But for Colorado, I think I was super impressed with this game for them. Like on their side, they have a guy like Tristan Da Silva, who is one of the best players in the PAC 12 and didn't have a, have his best game play for shot four of 13. And they still looked like a juggernaut because Cody Williams went off and KJ Simpson did his thing. Um, And they have a guy like Lampkin who can neutralize, you know, the size of another team. So, they just looked so good at home. I was like, Jesus, your best players like sending in a dud and you're beating a team by 16 that hasn't yeah. lost a game in the Pac-12 all season. That is so impressive to me. Um, but at the same time, their memories of road Colorado are are not far away in my mind.
1: Yeah. And they go to Washington this week, Washington, Washington state. And like those teams obviously are not elite, but those are very losable games for Road, Colorado and Road, Utah. Like if I'm the mountain schools, I'm scared to go to Washington because these are two teams that are looking to prove themselves and Utah and Colorado have looked like shit on the road. So I'm having a hard time, like, praise Colorado when I know that on Wednesday (laughs) of this week they're probably going to lose to Washington. Like, that, (laughs) I I can't say they're the second-best team in the conference when I just, like, would probably put money on them losing this week.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I mean, that's the frustrating predicament for Colorado. And I guess a good place to go with this because I think it's it's natural with these two teams. is like, what's the tournament outlook for them? I think this game is probably good for the Pac-12 overall. Like Oregon is a team that could withstand a resume, you know, hit and in, in this one, and Colorado is a team that needed a signature win. Um,
2: Reed, do you know? Do you making it? Yeah, do you know what the gap between these two teams and Kemper is like in terms of like spots? I have no idea. Colorado is at twenty-seven. Oregon is at fifty-five. That's Jesus. That doesn't feel right. <laughs> it re- it doesn't feel right, but at the same time, I'm not super convinced Oregon can withstand these because yeah. their strength of schedule is not good. Like yeah. I'm, I'm worried about Oregon for that reason. Yeah. If the Pac-12 was better this year, and if there were more opportunities for quality games within the Pac-12. I feel a little bit better, but I am I'm worried. About what about this, Oregon. Greg?
1: I think I think Oregon's gonna win the Pac-12 tournament <laughs> with a healthy totally team. With a totally healthy team, yeah. Man, I just have be nightmares. Wonderful. I have nightmares of Dana Altman fucking up Utah teams in the Pac-12 tournament. Like I, I feel like <laughs> even if they drop a few to like Colorado and then maybe Utah later, I, I'm not counting this team out simply because I feel like they'll be able to win the tournament
2: yeah as we talk about like where oregon where colorado and we've also mentioned utah a few times stand right now i feel like utah has to be the third of those teams just because while utah and colorado seem very similar in a lot of ways Um, I'll never pick Utah to beat Oregon. So (laughs) (laughs) really, you don't think
0: this, I mean, we're in an awkward spot because again, this Utah Oregon game tips off in two hours. Uh, and, and the podcast will come out after that, but you, you are confident
2: Oregon's going to win that game. I'm always confident Oregon's going to beat Utah in basketball.
1: Yeah, Oregon fucking owns Utah in basketball. Every year. I have seen Utah <laughs> lose to Oregon so many times in person. The only reason I'm not confident Oregon is winning is because they just have too many guys coming off of injury. Mm-hmm. And they just right. played a tough one in Boulder. Like, obviously, they got an extra day to rest, which is good. Um, I hate Sunday games, but I feel like it makes sense here since they have to fly between the two schools. Um but yeah, the altitude's hard. Utah is just like a hard team to play at home. So if Utah is gonna finally be working in a game, this feels like one where it could happen. But I'm I'm the same as Greg. Like I'm not gonna bet on Utah to win this one. I'll believe well, that- it when I see it
0: that's the bullshit about Utah and Colorado is not only are they like individually, probably the hardest places to play because of the altitude and, and whatever, <laughs> but they multiply. Ball. Yeah. They like, <laughs> they add to each other's strength. Like everyone would love to have their road partner be Colorado, you know, and yeah. have teams coming to them after going to Colorado. But those two are the ones who get to share these teams and terrorize them um, over a single weekend. I
1: w- I need to check like the records for that because they have to have, like, I don't know. They haven't had elite teams though. But I feel like it's got to be lopsided where going to the mountain schools, people just don't win those games as much. I don't know.
2: Yeah, that would be interesting. Would be interesting.
0: So if you're for Oregon, like they have Utah at Utah today, then Mm -hmm. versus Arizona, versus Arizona State and versus Arizona at home for those three games, like those all feel pretty big. Do they have to go two in one? Just one and two? Like what do they two have to one. do to be in a good po- two and one?
1: I think they need to win two of them.
2: I think you need to win two of them, but if you're going to win only one of them, it has to be the Arizona game. Yeah. yeah.
0: It'll be interesting. We'll see where we'll see where Dante and Biddle are at that point. Um, Having Dante get him, get his legs under him in time for that on, on, The 27th. I think that's next Saturday uh, will be a big one. So that's exciting. If you're an Oregon fan, Uh, certainly. Yeah, that strength of schedule is heating up right now. And I think we'll learn a lot about the Ducks uh, over the next week here. All right. That does it for uh, Oregon, Colorado and for our men's hoops lead games. Uh, We'll turn it over to Avery to talk about some of the women's hoops results.
1: It's been another incredible week in women's hoops. Like if you are not watching the Pac-12 this season play women's basketball, you are missing out. Like this is just a fantastic product. Um, It looks like we may be having some changes at the top of the power rankings in the first top five matchup. women's basketball this season number five UCLA took down number three Colorado in front of a sold-out crowd in Boulder charisma Osborne Osborne was magic again she had 22 points on the buff side Jalen Sherrod led with 17 I personally think this is the best basketball game I've watched all season men's or women's it was truly fantastic I Colorado was in front most of the game and despite some frustrating turnovers from UCLA the Bruins never let it get away from them and the scariest thing about this one is that UCLA looked far from perfect so like if this is the product they put out that can beat one of the best teams in the country like this is not their ceiling like they can do better this is a scary team so much fun to watch I know that A lot of UCLA men's basketball fans are like complaining about Mick Cronin right now and their men's team. Um, Just pretend the men's team doesn't exist and watch women's basketball because you might have the best team in the country here. They are really, really good. Um, In another ranked Pac-12 matchup, Alyssa Peely stunned with 37 points for number 20 Utah and a very dominant 78-58 win against number six USC in Salt Lake City. She's fucking incredible. Like the way she finds to score... Never cease to amaze me. It's something new and exciting every week. She's just the most dominant player on the court. And I may be a little biased here, but I think she might be the best player in the Pac-12. And that probably means in the country because the Pac-12 is the best conference in the country. She's so great. And she's truly been carrying Utah in a way that I didn't think anyone would be capable of doing. She went 13 for 16 from the field, 5 for 6 from 3, and 6 from 8 from the line. She's just so fucking good. She's an artist on the court. Absolutely must watch. This game feels really good for Utah. Um, They've been falling out of the top of the conference this season, but you shouldn't count them out because Alyssa Peely has shown that she will carry this team. The Pac-12 is also making history this week. Stanford's head coach, Tara Vanderveer, earned her 1,202nd victory, and is now tied with Duke legend Coach K for the most careers in NCAA basketball history. Number eight, Sanford did as expected and beat Oregon at home. Sorry, Reed. 88-63. <laughs> Coach Vanderveer has a very good chance of securing that record tonight with a win over Oregon State in front of a home crowd. I I hope they get it because... They're going on the road to Arizona next week. And I just feel like this is a moment that you want to have at home. But I don't know. Reagan Beers and the Beavers might be able to stop her. They've been fun to watch this season. Oh, so much to say. Also tonight, number six, USC and number three, Colorado, both look for a bounce back win from their Friday night losses against Utah and UCLA. And then on Monday, so tomorrow, January 22nd, Number five, UCLA heads to Salt Lake City to take on a much more confident Utah team. I genuinely like this. This matchup is going to be so much fun. If you're available at 4 p.m. Pacific, you should watch it. We'll see if uh, Alyssa Peely can do another just incredible performance. Have you all watched any women's basketball this week? I, I know I was talking a lot, but do either of you have any thoughts about anything?
0: Yeah, I was able to watch UCLA, Colorado. Um, Totally agree with what you said. I mean, that was just a hell of a game. Um, And for me, you know, Oregon is completely in the dumpster this season, sadly. So UCLA and Colorado were kind of the two teams that I was like, which one should I bandwagon here? Um, I kind of thought it might be Colorado, you know, but then UCLA won me over. And believe me i know how hard it is for your basketball team to perform in boulder um this ucla team is electric like and and this seems like just probably the best weekend of of women's hoops we've had so far because it's the mountain schools versus the la schools you know uh stanford's there too obviously at the top but that's four of the five best teams probably in the conference right now um yeah, I love UCLA and Colorado are my two favorite teams right now personally. Um UCLA seems like an absolute buzzsaw, but I don't know. I'm excited to see this Colorado USC matchup. Um I'm excited to see Utah. I wish they were at full strength like cuz I think they could be a lot of fun, but I just um am hesitant to get too invested in them because I I don't know that they have the national championship ceiling that some that like UCLA obviously does that even Colorado might um, but yeah those are my thoughts on it
2: I watched the Utah USC game and it was a pleasure to watch Alyssa Lee dominate like that Uh, I like what you said Avery she is an artist with the ball in her hand the way she scores in the post is just it's it, I feel bad for every defender <laughs> yes. because it's like she's doing some magic on them that sends them the complete wrong way. And then she has just this very easy layup and it happens every time she gets the ball in the post. Uh, yeah. I think she's the best player in the Pac-12, but obviously I'm biased because I've watched Utah far more than any other team. I this didn't year.
1: even mention that she's a former USC player. Yes, so she scored 37 dude. points against your <laughs> former team. Like she's, she's incredible. I'm such a fangirl for her. Like she's, probably the most fun basketball player for me to watch this season obviously i'm a utah fan but wow she's just so fucking good and so dominant and just owns the court and such a pleasure to watch
0: um do we do you have more on women's hoops or should we get to rapid fire
1: we can get to rapid fire
0: okay cool let me cue up the music one second
1: Oh wait, I'm doing rapid fire, sorry. (laughs) It's weird not having Carlos here. Um, So rapid fire this week, Arizona State beats USC 82 to 72. USC continues to look less and less like one of the most talent filled teams in the conference. After a humiliating loss to UCLA, the Sun Devils bounce back with a win over the Trojans and Bronny James hit his head on a sign. I hope he's okay. It was all a bit of a garbage fire. Do either of you have
2: thoughts on this one? Frankie Collins is fucking back. All right? That is Pac-12, uh, all-Greg team starting point guard Frankie Collins. <laughs> he was incredible, picking USC's pocket. They shooting well, passing well as always. Uh, I love him. ASU, I wish I wish you didn't have him. You don't deserve him. <laughs>
0: Frankie Collins won me over too. I'm I'm a subscriber to the All Greg team now as well. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm done talking about USC, so I'm just not even going to mention them. But <laughs> maybe maybe I'm doing a Carlos here, but like Arizona State is alive for an outside shot at the tournament. Maybe if they get really hot, I don't know. They do um, this
1: every season. Read, <laughs> they did <laughs> <they, they laughs> <seem laughs> last
2: year. <laughs> they seem far too chaotic, right? To kind of pave their way the rest of it and i don't think the pac-12 uh has enough quality opportunities for them to improve the resume like last year the pac-12 had some good games like they had a was it number one arizona when asu hit the buzzer beater on them Something yeah, like yeah and the pac-12 just won't have an opportunity for arizona like that again yeah.
1: frankie collins deserves to play in the tournament though he's he very has... very good Uh, Moving on, Stanford beat Washington 90-80. to After a close win against Cal, Washington was unable to keep the good times going and lost to Stanford on the road. Spencer Jones hit eight threes and scored 30 total points, and Washington just could not keep up. Ugh, Washington. What could have been?
0: That's Reed's preseason draft selection, Spencer Jones, just so people know. Uh, The one part of Stanford I was right about this year. Oh, my God. They are... (laughs) They you guys warned me. I mean I can't even do the shit. You guys warned me. Stanford <laughs> fucking sucks. This team is a nightmare. Like they they just keep on just kind of rolling into wins and then losses. Yeah. So inconsistent. Uh-huh. Um nothing it, it, that you that just really defying the like nerd persona of Stanford. You'd think they would be this really polished, well coached team. Not not at all. <laughs>
1: and it's been the same thing for like three years. Like, nothing has changed.
2: It feels like Stanford only exists to give teams bad losses. Yeah. Like, because I, I only think of Stanford wins in terms of, man, I can't believe the other team lost that game. That's a bad loss for whoever <laughs> lost to Stanford. <laughs> it keeps happening. Like, it, it happens happened to, frequently.
1: It happens to Utah. It happened to Arizona. It's happened probably going to Washington. keep happening to everybody. <laughs> Yeah, it, it really, I don't know. I feel like we could have counted Washington out of the bubble before this one, but this feels like the moment where yeah. we're like, goodbye. Hopefully you fire Mike Hopkins this year, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, another Washington school, Washington State, also split the Bay Area schools. Uh, they lost to Cal in overtime, 81-75. Every time I think we're getting somewhere with Washington State, they do something like this. The Cougars lost in overtime to an electric performance from Cal. Jalen Tyson had 30 points, and Faraz had 14 rebounds and 18 points. Cal might be figuring it out. I don't know. Carlos is like the resident Cal fan here, and he's not here today, so he thinks Cal is electric. I'm. I think they can be electric. I don't. I don't know how I feel about Washington State. Update. I think
2: Cal's. is. Starting all Greg team center. So uh, he's a good pick. I I think Kyle is very electric, him specifically, but go on, Reed. Sorry.
0: Yeah. The weird thing here is like with this Washington and Bay Area schools, they all went one and one in the round robin this weekend. And I'm left despite the fact that Kyle is seven and 12 right now. They're in the best standing of the Washington and Bay Area schools to me. Between these four, Mark me down as a Cal supporter like the other ones are so frustrating at least Cal has surpassed the very low expectations and been very entertaining doing so I'm frustrated watching everyone else cal i'm like good job i didn't expect anything from you and you're somehow doing this
1: cal is 7 and 12 and washington state is 13 and 6 and you feel that (laughs) way i washington state has been like such a quiet successful season i mean they started out we talked about it they didn't really play anyone and i kind of expected them to fall off but they've been like keeping in it they're still kind of like oh maybe they're a bubble team this was Really bad for them, though. Like they needed to win this game to like feel good about them. So I mean, we'll see with Washington State. I think they're just gonna be right there, like they have been for the last I don't know how long.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right. Exactly. Cool.
1: Finally, Oregon State was swept again. They lost to Colorado and Utah. It, it's a tough, it's a tough road trip, but they lost by a combined seventy points. So we'll see. Hopefully the beefs can pounce back at home against the Arizona schools. I would not want to be playing the Arizona schools after I was just swept by the mountain schools, but do you guys believe? (laughs)
2: Listen, the Peyton years is just such an electric podcast. I love them. That I find myself believing each week. Uh, (laughs) each week we go into the weekend and I think they're going to surprise some people this week I took the Oregon State money line against Utah before the game because I thought with no Raleigh Wooster Jordan Pope might have the opportunity to really cook Utah, didn't happen but I I still think I still think Oregon State is not they're not sewer trash they're fine I mean they have a winning record right now Exactly, which is great
1: I think it's more than what like a majority of people expected from them this season. And Jordan Pope is just so He's fucking good. good. He's yeah. one of the best players in the conference. So, yeah, I, I like watching them. I, I want them to get a big win. Hopefully they beat one of the Arizona schools
2: this well, week. That would be wonderful.
0: Do you feel better about them or Cal right now?
2: Oh, Cal for sure. Yeah. Uh, I think Cal is definitely a better team. Yeah, Oregon
1: State kind of starts and stops with Jordan Pope.
2: That's the problem.
1: So, Cal <laughs> yeah. hasn't now.
0: Hopefully. I mean, what I think on Thursday they host Arizona. So, hey, who knows? Maybe that's the that's the game that really turns it around for them. Oh, certainly.
1: yeah. They were scoreless for 11 minutes against Utah.
2: Oh, that was worse Ooh, than no. I remember. Don't know. Yeah, I forgot that
1: it was that long. <laughs> that's so long. Oh, my God. I'm sending love to all my Oregon State fans out there. You guys yeah. can be Arizona, I believe.
0: Certainly. At least if they beat Arizona, that won't derail someone's tournament case because Arizona's in regardless. So we can, we can root for the upset and good conscience there. Anyways, that's it. That's all we have. We got some fun basketball to watch today. Uh, Some women's hoops. And of course, Oregon destroying Utah. Surely that won't age poorly (laughs) for me. Um, Go check those games out. Uh, And of course, if you're dying for football content, Go check out our Patreon at notruckstops.com. We'll have, like we said, the way too early Pac 12 power rankings for 2024 on there this week. But for now, I'm Reed. That's Greg. That's Avery. Thank you for subscribing to our YouTube channel. Thank you to Homefield for sponsoring this podcast. Thank you for listening. And remember, there are no truck stops here. Not, Not even one. one.
1: Oh, that was nice. <laughs> <laughs>